and we're on and we're back we're back yay back again happy tuesday it's december it's december (laughs) here we are the most magical month of the year officially winter and the holidays Mm -hmm. we love it get festive um i forgot to ask you something oh during our end of the year episode which will not have aired by the time this airs probably so this may make not one bit of sense (laughs) and yet i don't care and i only i wasn't even planning this it was just a stroke of genius that hit me just now so we might just end up cutting this out fair enough since it is the last month of the year Mm. though not the end of the year episode how has the year been for you well (laughs) tynan oh gosh where do i start well not great bob no (laughs) (laughs) how am i doing not well bitch. all things considered it has not been the worst i think things could have gone more smoothly i've been doing a lot of inner work i've been working on my mind and my spirit not my body i have done one pilates this entire time (laughs) oh god but uh it's been a very reflective year for everybody but for me especially because i don't know your lives and i don't care well i care a little bit (laughs) but i don't know man what a qu- what a question to just spring on me like that. I don't know. It just God. came to me. You know what? I thought of this the other day after having made some choices. That what are you talking about? <laughs> there's like, we, I feel like there's can't... like an unofficial COVID or pandemic bingo of all of the things that everyone does in COVID. And lately I'm like, ah, oh, it only took nine months, but uh, tick that box. Anyway. Uh, uh, Lots of inner learning. Lots and lots of inner learning. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, Tynan, how's your year been? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I didn't really want to answer this question. So, <laughs> Too no. bad. Um, it's been fine. It's been good. I, what are you grateful for this year? Grateful for? I don't know. This year, I feel very lucky and grateful to have gotten through it in one piece, although we still have a full month to go. So, and... I'm happy and healthy, and so is my family, which is really all I care mm-hmm. about, and my friends. Mm-hmm. I'm still employed, which is great. All my freelance shit is good. I don't know. Like, I know I shouldn't define myself by my work, but here I am. I've also been trying not to do that to various, you know, <laughs> levels of success. But it's been good. It's been both extremely slow and fast. Mm, I guess I all, all years are, but this one especially. I mean, I truly have not seen almost anyone except you and the girl that cuts my hair same yeah i don't know it's been good i feel grateful to be here and i also love that we launched this podcast you know what i am very happy about that yeah this is the year that we made this podcast so you know what it's a bang up year you should (laughs) do the things that are the most scary to you yes i was listening to a podcast interview with this model that i like randomly just started following on Instagram. She was really funny. And she said that she hates her birthday, which I also hate. Mm. So my birthday, not her birthday. I don't know her. (laughs) but uh, (laughs) And how it stresses her out. And, you know, birthdays in general kind of give you that whole, like, what have I been doing with my life? You know, like, it's another year. What have I accomplished? So she does, for the whole month of her birthday in November, she does a new thing. Or she tries something new, mm-hmm. something that scares her, just doing something out of the, her routine. And yeah. I'm like, that's actually a great idea. Like, I should do that. Yeah. I mean, ideally, it would work out better if you had the ability to do everything and, like, things were open. <laughs> but, like, 
I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do that next year for my birthday. Yeah. I don't know if I could do a whole month. That seems like a lot, but uh, we'll we'll see where we get. (laughs) I think COVID has shown me, because I didn't have a choice, that it's okay to just like stay your ass home. Yeah. You know? And I mean... I don't know. I don't really often go out during the week. See, I say that, but I'm like, unless it's like a press (laughs) event or unless it's like a happy hour. Press events are kind of like work events. Exactly. Or unless it's like dinner with friends. So it's like, I'm not super social during the week, but at the same time, like, I don't know. But then on the weekend, it's like, it's just nice to just like cook a meal on a weekend night and chill. The one Um, thing about quarantine that I did enjoy is the complete vanishing of FOMO. Like, well, everybody's at home. There's literally nothing I could be missing. Like Mm -hmm. I can do the nothing that I want to do that I love doing and not feel like I shouldn't be doing this. I think it's also really interesting to me to see how everyone individually is processing Mm. that feeling. Like you are free of FOMO, whereas others I feel like are having the FOMO of the life that they would be living. Oh, yeah. You know, whereas I'm just like, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) The sun's out. (laughs) I'm alive and free in America. I don't know. You know, if there's one thing America will always have, it's their freedom. I mean, fingers crossed. <laughs> I don't know if anyone watches Adventure Time. The one minor character of Lemon Hope where he's this very unself-aware little cherub who just goes around doing whatever he wants because he's like, that's freedom for you. <laughs> and he's being really selfish and everyone's like, hey, that's not cool. You can't do that. And he's like, well, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's America. He would definitely not wear a mask. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. Freedom to get infected. That's <laughs> what he would say. <laughs> Anyways, it was just a question I had. Yeah. It was on my heart. That's what I'm grateful for. A little, a little gratitude. We're grateful for this podcast. We're grateful for our health and our friend's health and our family's health. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I like my house and stay in it. I finally bought the chairs that I've been eyeing for like a year for my dining room corner. So... They're not, they're not, you're not sitting on them. No, no, no. These are from Ikea. (laughs) Leveling up my nest situation. So it's going to be like ultimate coziness. I love that. I think I'm going to move this year. I think you are too, because your lease is. Because I won't won't shut up about it. (laughs) Also, now's a good time to move in New York City if you're renting, because the market (laughs) is brimming with vacancies it's a buyer's market it's a buyer's market or whatever yeah so you've got your pick of the litter so lock it down and get a two-year lease (laughs) honestly street easy has started serving me ads like and like most of them are you know just rentals Mm -hmm. like you know in my range whatever but then every once in a while it'll serve me like a one bedroom or a studio to buy for like wow two million dollars and i'm (laughs) like i don't quite know what you think's going on here but it's not that anyways just in case (laughs) got a little extra coin in your pocket exactly throw it at this luxury condo uh, <sighs> well tynan what do you smell like today so i smell like circa 91 by saint rose Ooh. yeah the uh, saint rose is a new brand to me and they're a pretty new brand in general i believe that they were launched in 2018 they are born out of australia but they are based in new york So I don't know if Circa 91 is super new. I do know that they recently released something new, which is how I ended up with this sample as well. They also sent me (laughs) a a fragrance called like Gypsy Cowboy or something. And I'm like, can we just stop using the word gypsy to name our fragrances, please? Think twice about that. Yeah. It's like there are so many other words. Yeah. Pick one. 
Maybe they like checked it against some like popular fragrance word catalog and they're like gypsy. Yeah. Yeah. People like people want to smell it. Yeah. People love this. Anyway, Circa 91, they describe it as a fresh ozonic fragrance, which I mean, I love ozone. Uh, I love anything that smells like We love the outside. Exactly. So (laughs) I was really excited to try this. You know, turns out not everything is what you expect. (laughs) This, it's a really solid fragrance. It wears really nicely. It is really heavy on the patchouli. And if you like patchouli, I think you'll really like this quite a lot. Turns out, as we know, I don't like patchouli. I do like... (laughs) versions of patchouli i do like additions of patchouli and scents. this is a really good fragrance it's just not really what i like you know what i mean patchouli is never just like rarely ever on its own in a fine fragrance it's not on its own but girl it's what i'm getting (laughs) um here the top notes are lemon and bergamot in the middle i've got patchouli iris and jasmine and sandalwood and cedarwood are holding it down at the base and that all sounds lovely and it is it's a really nice fragrance but on my skin it, just the longer it wears, the more patchouli it gets. And mm. I'm like... Your skin wants you to like patchouli, but you I, you resist. My, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not with it. But it's I, what I will say is that the, the throw of the fragrance and the way that it wears is exactly what I think a baseline of a fragrance should be. I think you can only smell it if you hug me. And though it's not my favorite fragrance, though I don't really prefer it, it hasn't been like in my nostrils and choking me out all day. It wears really lovely. So if you, unlike me, like patchouli, <laughs> I think Circa 91 by St. Rose is definitely something that you should check out. So is St. Rose a new fragrance brand? Yeah, they are heroing out being clean, which is uh, fine. Okay. That is their choice. We're so clean. They also, they say like in the about me of their site, they say that they're unisex, but they don't really lean into that. They just sort of let the fragrances and visuals do the talking, which I think is the way it should be. The The site's beautiful. The bottles are really simple. It's just a really nice, clean situation. So I am interested to smell the other one that I was sent, Gypsy cowboy or whatever the hell <laughs> just won't be talking about it or using that name we'll rename it so yeah sable what are you smelling today gosh you so good i i knew you would love this one. Love this one. Oh god i've been on such a weird nostalgia bender this past week i've been trying to hunt down some of my favorite scents when i was a teenager all of the scents that i thought were the height of sophistication for a teenager like nina ricci nina mm. it's a little apple bottle yeah. or lily at olympica all these fucking apple bottle shaped fragrances those do look quite alike yes they do i just remembered loving them so much as a teenager i didn't own them i would like go to sephora and spray them on myself and then not buy it yeah. <laughs> so today i was like what's my girliest most youthful girly fragrance i have and it's actually a hair fragrance from and other stories it's called pearl de coco it smells almost identical to that sol de janeiro bum bum cream Mm -hmm. scent like near identical i don't have a a pot of the bum bum cream to test against or the the fragrance that they based off of i think it's called churisa 62 they also have like body splash and shit. I had a Russian Airbnb roommate once who would douse herself in that body splash. And when she left, she left the mostly empty bottle of the body splash. There was like a, this tiny dregs at the bottom. And I was like, so that's what it was. And it was Sol de Janeiro. And she just smelled like a cloud of candy vanilla. Yeah. And that's what I smell like now. A little bit more 
coconutty though. I find the Sol de Janeiro fragrance to be like super coconutty, super vanilla. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's supposed to be like, you know, Brazilian and beachy. So it's all like sunny and sandy and coconutty and gourmand. It's very gourmand. Extreme gourmand. It's super fun. I love that scent. I love it too, but the the body cream which is the only one I've experienced. The scent is so much that like when it's on your body, in your skin, it's all you smell all fucking day. Yeah. It's a bit, I'm like, I need you to quit after like an hour. Yeah. Even (laughs) even for me, they sent me the fine fragrance when it dropped and I know that people love the scent as do I. And as a fine fragrance, it works really nicely because it wears in the way that a fine fragrance should. However, even I was like, this might be a one and done for me. Like I'm going to, yeah. I was talking to a perfumer who is based in Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. Am I saying that? Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. And uh, he was saying how the kind of attitude towards fragrance in, in Brazil is that like people want to be able to be smelled like across the street. Mm. Like that's the thing. And if you if your perfume fades after like an hour or something, it's a waste of money. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love the way this smells though. To me, it's I'm not wearing it. I just smell that. It's just like a, a tiny, tiny bit juicier. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's got a it's more creamy somehow. Maybe because it's like super coconutty, but uh yeah, it smells like vacation to me. It smells just like a young, carefree girl who's, you know, I don't know, texting back the boys she shouldn't text back and Or not texting back at all. Even better. Now she's texting them back. <laughs> <laughs> I know this girl. I am that girl. Exactly. I'm like, I'm her. <laughs> <laughs> this smells so good. So I knew you smelled good when I walked in today. <laughs> then you walked out of your room with this. And I was like, oh, she smells good, good. I like doused my head in it. <laughs> so good. And you know what? You know what this smells like to me? What? This smells just like, oh my God. Oh my God. This smells just like Forever Sunshine by Bath and Body Works. The one that I always oh. talk about that they dis- discontinued. This smells a lot like it. Oh, it smells wow. like that Brazilian... The Sol de Janeiro cream. Yeah. I, hate, I hate that it's called Bum Bum Cream. I hate that. But I that thought it and ha- this Yeah, when like they it. called it, when I read Bum Bum Cream, I'm like, is it for your butt? Uh, right. It's not It's not for your butt. I mean, you could put it on your butt, but it's not exclusively for the butt. It's for the body, I, which includes a butt. Yeah. You are a big and other stories truther. I fucking love and other stories beauty section. It's the most slept upon thing ever. And I think also because it's just not everywhere. Yeah. It's certainly not everywhere in America. They're owned by H&M, mm-hmm. basically. So they're bigger. They're much bigger in Europe, especially in Sweden. But they're in LA. They're in New York City. I don't actually know where else they are in the States. I don't know either. You but ride hard for them. And your hand soap. I know you know this, but yes. listeners in Sable's restroom, the hand soap and hand lotion yes. are from and other stories. I love and I, lotions. it's my favorite place to wash my hands. It smells so <laughs> good. Can we go when oh, we can yeah, go? Of course. Okay. Totally. I also love in the stores that all of the st- the store and other stores story store. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> all and- of their stores I've been inside, they have a huge hand washing sink, so you can test out their hand washes and their the scrubs. And instinctually, every time I go into the store, I just end up washing my hands because, well, it's New York City, and any opportunity you can to wash your hands is a good. I've just always grown up with a thing where when you go, especially when you're commuting via public transportation, when I go to my destination, I will go to the restroom and wash my hands. Mm -hmm. And I've always done this. So like the fact that a store has a hand washing sink, I'm like, this is good. More places should have this. You know what like really high end store in Soho has this obtuse hand washing station? Marc Jacobs. Really? Yeah. It's at the back of the store, but it's gigantic. 
it's are, like is there soap there so yeah yeah there's what? like a, a functioning sink there's soap there's hand sanitizers oh it's God. like as big as your couch it's gigantic i have to go it's so Simply weird for that i always thought there needs to be some sort of app or, some, or map extension that tells you where the public restrooms are in new york city because we just don't have them here. Yeah. Every other international city I've been in has plenty of public restrooms littered around in parks, literally on the side of the street, like a little booth. And, you know, they may not be the cleanest restrooms, but when you're in a pinch, it's really helpful to have. Some of them are coin operated too, mm. but we need that as a city. We do. Because <laughs> like, I always have to pee. The only good public bathrooms I know of are in Domino Park. There's one on the East River that I would run past on my typical running situation mm-hmm. and or drinking on the river, <laughs> both of which are important to have a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Sable, well, who do you have on the show today? Oh, my gosh. We have probably the most, maybe the most historically legacy brand that we've ever had on oh, Smell You Later. Yeah. Besides Bath and Body Works. Besides Bath. They're much older than Bath and Body Works. <laughs> oh, my God. Krigler. Krigler, which is over a century old, an old world fragrance brand that has so much history, so much, what's the word? Not like fairy tale, but like, I don't know. They have like such a storied legacy. Mm-hmm. So many iconic Hollywood starlets have worn their fragrance. And to this day, like so many Hollywood starlets or, you know, even just like iconic actors still wear their fragrances, including royalty from around the world. People who are so rich, you don't even know who they are. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. old, right. old money rich. Right. Yeah. I know that fragrance and celebrity can be pretty synonymous, mm-hmm. but Kriegler, as I understand it, uh, had a pretty storied history with celebrity at large and royalty since the genesis of the brand. And they were sort of on that way before, you know, Celebrity brands happened or celebrities being faces of brands yeah. happened. So I think that's very fascinating. I want to know more about that. Totally. It's so cool knowing, oh, I have the perfume that Audrey Hepburn wore when she was 19 filming Roman Holiday. Right. And like, that's just like, it's such a cool piece of history. It is. Yeah. Also, that perfume is dope. Okay. I was going to say, like, sorry to be this person, but <laughs> I know this won't be shocking. Like, I don't know. Anything <laughs> old, I'm like, eh. um, especially Same. fragrances. I just, you know, we all think of the scents that our grandparents wore. And while they're lovely, it's like, I don't want to smell like that. But when you introduced me to Krigler, I genuinely like all of the scents. Yeah. They don't smell like the stuffy old no. old lady perfumes you would think they would have no, for being a over a hundred year old company mm-hmm. but like every it's so modern and complex and timeless yeah. i should say yeah, yeah for sure timeless sense yeah so we have ben Krigler, who is the great 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 grandson of albert Krigler, who founded the brand in 1904 Actually, perhaps even earlier than that. We're going to find out. We will find out. So without further ado. Well, my name is Ben, Ben Kriegler. I'm part of the fifth generation at Kriegler. The company was actually founded in 1904 by Albert Kriegler, who was born in Prussia, which was actually part of the Prussian Empire with the capital as Berlin. Albert was a chemist. He actually studied chemistry and he got hired by a French company to move to Moscow in Russia during the 19th century to work in a French company 
So that's actually how it started. It's a mix of cultures. He worked for a French company called Raleigh. Raleigh was the equivalent of the biggest cosmetic company in the world during the 19th century. It was French. And they were invited by the Tsar of Russia to open a facility in Moscow. And Albert actually moved there amongst hundreds of people who came from all over Europe to work for them. And he worked there for almost, I would say, 20-something years. And he met his wife. His wife was the daughter of a French perfume maker. And they got married. They, then what happened is that he created a fragrance as an engagement gift because he was not wealthy enough to buy a diamond or ring. So since he had at the factory the possibility to create fragrances, he decided, you know what, let me create a fragrance for my loved one. And that's actually how he created Pleasure Gardenia. I love that story. Yeah, it's great. Yes, and this perfume actually was created in 1879. And he fought to remember the year proposed to his wife to be because it was the beginning of his life with her he actually decided to attach to the name of the perfume the year it was created so he attached 79 and that became part of our trademark you know in terms of naming the fragrances they always have the year they were created afterwards so it's a bit like wine you know in some ways right and from there, you know, he moved to St. Petersburg in Russia, which was like the imperial city over there back then. And in 1904, he opened the first Krigler boutique, a place where you could come and get a bespoke perfume created. Unfortunately for him and for my family, they had to leave the country because it was the beginning of the revolution in Russia. Mm. He decided to move back to Berlin at the time. And from Berlin, he actually established the company Krigler as we know it today. He started by opening a store inside a famous hotel in Berlin called the Victoria Hotel. And from there, he started actually uh, developing the, the company all over Europe. In the 1910s, his wife, who was French originally, was a bit homesick. She was from Provence and she was missing the sun, I guess. She told him we should actually moved there and they decided to open a small factory in a small city called Antibes. We had a small factory. Luckily, a lot of things happened to us, such as liberties, Americans who came to the south of France after World War I. They discovered our fragrances. They fell in love with perfumes because our small workshop was on the beach in, in Antibes. And so it was very fancy to go to the beach, to sunbath, and then to come to the factory to try perfumes. We had the pleasure to welcome F. Scott Fitzgerald and his wife, Uh, Ernest Hemingway, Rudolf Valentino, Pablo Picasso, a lot of creative people, a lot of people actually were there. One thing that I can say about Krigler is that this company has been always at the right spot at the right moment. (laughs) We always have been very lucky and fortunate to be related to icons, people who were very creative and people who actually were very interesting, I must say. And then the company was a bit asleep, you know, for a period of about 30 years, 35 years. Mm-hmm. My mother, who is the nose, she created fragrances independently as a freelancer. And she was mainly making bespoke perfume for Krigler in Europe at the time. Because my mother actually went back to France, met my father, and they got married, had my brother and I. And... 
I grew up surrounded by perfumes, you know, because my mom was always making scents, mm -hmm. uh, creating things olfactively. And I had another passion, which was architecture. I studied architecture, I became an architect, and I kind of knew inside my mind, but I couldn't say to anybody, that I really <laughs> wanted to bring back Kriegler in life. So I, in 2000, I would say 2003, I decided, you know, this was time for me to redevelop the company. And this is what I did since then, you know, I became really, really in charge more in 2005, 2006. And for the past, yes, for the past almost 15 years now, I'm... I'm redeveloping this beautiful house that has an incredible heritage. And I'm the luckiest man in the world because I love my, it's not even a job, I love what I do. So I consider it as the most beautiful and enjoying time of my life. Wow. That's so lovely. And that actually goes into something that I was meaning to ask you because Krigler has essentially been a family owned business since it began. Is that yes. correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah. So I always wonder when somebody goes into the family business, was that an expectation that you or your brother would one day take it over? And was that something that you like, were always excited to do or you weren't sure? So here is the thing, the reason why, you know, the company fell asleep in the late 60s was that there were so many people who wanted to be in charge that in the end, it kind of killed the company in some ways because you know you have different opinions but in my family everybody thought it was already dead it was no longer something that people would be interested in mm. so I try I mean I convinced a lot of my family members to either way sell me their shares uh, ah. which at the time were, were worth nothing <laughs> because uh, it was none I mean you know, there was nothing or to believe me and to trust me and to tell me okay you know I give you my vote and try to do whatever you want. I want to bring back a hundred years of company to life. Everybody told me, don't bother with that. It's not interesting anymore. It's dead. It's gone. Build a new future, build a new things. And I said, no, we have a jewel. We have something with such a legacy. So at the time I had a vision for Krigler that I wanted this company to be, I would say like, um, like a small house, you know, like a small company where everything could be handmade, yeah. where I could use my skills because I like to do things handmade. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to be big. I just want to be independent to take the decision that I wanted to take. Right. And, and so, yeah, so I started, you know, making scented candles, then perfumes I brought back. And I was redeveloping step by step the company. You know, it took time. There is a saying saying that, you know, to build up something, it takes days after days after days and months after years, but to destroy it, it takes one day. So my <laughs> biggest fear was not to destroy everything, you know, it was just right. to try to build up as much as possible. Yeah. This is like your family history and your background in business is to me almost like a way more interesting version of that show Succession. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> think, well, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if you watch that. <laughs> I, I'm not really familiar with it, but I'm, I, um, yeah. I hear the name, so I'm sure it's about great success. It's like a, a, a big family legacy business and all of the, oh. the children are like vying to take over the company. <laughs> oh, got it, got it, got it. Well, in my family back then, it was not the case. Now, they all regret that they didn't, they didn't uh -huh. take yeah. it. See, I you bet. showed them. I feel like I'm similar in that way too, where... If I have a grandiose or crazy idea, I won't tell anybody until I do it. And then everyone's exactly. like, where did this come from? Exactly. 
that's what I've learned very early yes. in age, you know, that action is better than talking. Yes. You know, I, I, if you explain somebody, they won't understand. But if you show them, then mm -hmm. they are, wow, okay, now I get it, what you wanted to do. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Always show, don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So when you were saying how you thought to bring back the brand and revamp it because there were so many existing fragrances. Yes. Did you just kind of continue them as they were always created or did you kind of zhuzh them up and change them up a bit? Every year, the FDA asks yes. you to change or to use different components and you cannot really use the same ingredients all the time. Luckily, we had the small vials of most of the fragrances mm -hmm. that date from the 1910s. So what I did was that I took the original perfume and we started, you know, like picking up the formulation and trying to recreate the same perfume exactly the way it was by using updated materials such as you mm -hmm. know other ingredients because obviously you know back in the days there were ingredients that were coming from animals that we no longer use thank god but there were a lot of ingredients that we also no longer use because they are highly allergenic and and so indeed you know it was a work at the same time it was like we were creating a new fragrance but at the same time since we had that base we could create a fragrance according to what it was before so you had the formulation and yes. you had the juice itself, but you were using an updated yes. ingredient list to create. Wow, that's mm -hmm. daunting to me, but very, very <laughs> fascinating. Yes, because it's uh, mostly because of the regulation, you know, right. and, and you can see that. And that's something that nobody really talks because many times, you know, we have clients coming and saying, oh, that's funny. It doesn't smell the same way that it smells 20 years ago. Of course it doesn't. It. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we explain to them, we say, well, it's as close as possible to mm -hmm. what it usually, what it used to be. But because of the regulation, it's impossible to have exactly the same because some of the ingredients are not available. Or, for example, if you use oil, you know, like a mm -hmm. oil from wood or anything, maybe 20 years ago, you could use maybe, I don't know, like uh, in formulation, I'm saying a random number, but let's say 15% of it. And now the FDA is saying you can only use 3% of it. So of right. course, it's going to change the formulation. It's going to affect the scent itself. So that's my job and um, the people I'm working with to try to find another ingredient that will actually uh, subtract the scent that we're missing right wow. yeah that makes that makes sense but i i can see why people would be disappointed if things weren't the same one thing that i would love to know is i mean other than proposing to somebody with a bespoke fragrance does your family have any other fragrance related traditions I remember when I was a kid and my mother was creating fragrances in our summer house in Antibes. That was the only time you know, that I could see her working from home, I would say. And the tradition for her was that every morning she would start working so early. And I'm not a morning person, you know, I'm really not Same. a morning person. <laughs> she would start working at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I don't know how to explain, but it's like if somebody opens next to you a big jar of coffee beans and starts spreading that scent in yeah. front of you. So my, my, my bedroom was next to her office. And every morning, <laughs> I knew every summer that I would be in, in contact with her perfumes or with her scent. When you're a kid, it's not fun because you're like, okay, I <laughs> yeah. want to sleep. I don't want to smell all the scents. I don't want to smell all those things. So I couldn't understand what she was doing, basically. And it turned me apart from that a little bit at the beginning. <laughs> but that was some kind of tradition for her to, you know, to create those perfumes every day. Right. But one right. thing that I must say is that after I reached like seven years old and I saw what she was doing, she asked me, 
she said, you know what, my, my grandfather one time brought me at your age, when, you were, when I was seven years old, and he asked me my remarks and my ideas and my thoughts on perfume mm-hmm. that he was creating. She brought me in her office and she said, look, I'm working on this perfume. And she said, what do you think? And she made me smell. She, and actually, I was fascinated by that. You know, I was fascinated by the scent. And I remember that day that I picked a note of fig. And I said to my mom, I said, I love that note. I really do love it. And she said, you do? I said, yes. And she said, okay, let me use that. And then she started showing me how she was mixing drops of oil together. And she showed me and she said, and what do you think here? What do you like it here? Do you think there's something neat? And she started giving me the vocabulary, you know, and she started giving me the expressions and the method to create a fragrance, you know, using top notes, heart and bass, telling me we should use this, we should do that. And months later, we were back in Paris and she came one day home and she said, look, this is your perfume. And I said, what is it? And she said, you remember last, last summer? I said, oh, yes, I do. And she said, that's the fragrance that you created with me. So that's your creation also. Oh, wow. That's so nice. Exactly. And I was only seven years old. <laughs> and I think that's part of the tradition because I did the same with my nephew who, when he was seven years old. Aww. I realized that he was very interested by what I was doing. And he said, can I see what you're doing? And I said, you know what? Now it's the time for you to learn. And we created a fragrance together as well. So that's part of our tradition, you know. To... I love that. Yeah. Yes. That's wow. so cool. Wow. So you mentioned that your mom would make a lot of bespoke perfumes for Chrysler? Yes. yes. So was she doing that during the years that you kind of mentioned the brand was a bit dormant? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 She actually, what happened is that in the late 60s, my mother at the time was, I would say, the next generation, you know, to take over the company. Mm-hmm. But she was living in Paris and she was not interested to move to New York at the time. So what happened is that basically in New York, you know, the company vanished in some ways in the late uh, 60s. And she started working mostly on bespoke perfumes between Paris, Monte Carlo. Right. Uh, she went to London. So basically, yes, that was the main activity. When I took over the company, I thought this is part of our DNA and I really want to pursue that because even in New York in the 50s, 60s in New York at the plaza, we had our little office where we were creating bespoke perfumes on site and that was part of our DNA. So it has always been part of our activity. Of course. I remember seeing how they're just like the most luxurious looking cases. Oh yes. We call them the trunks. The trunks, trunks, yeah. (laughs) That's good. As like, just like such a decadent gift to give somebody. Uh, Have you experienced or have you been told any really extravagant stories about any particular bespoke fragrances that people have commissioned from Krigler? Yes, so many. I mean, you know, we have, I mean, obviously in a hundred years old, uh, 116 (laughs) years old, we had so many, 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 many stories. And one thing is that people would not imagine the, what we call in French, the debauchery of luxury. You know, that means how much more luxury was 
the life before in a way that people would spend money and it was not public, but it would spend, they would spend like a fortune on the creation yeah. of a perfume just because they could do it. I remember they told me they had like a Maharaja who actually came to France and wanted to create a fragrance and he was coming on vacation in the south of France in, on the Côte d'Azur and he wanted to create a perfume for his palace back in India and he ordered hundreds of liters of this perfume and the cost for it was absurdly expensive and he actually paid my mother in part with uh, diamonds with a with a beautiful oh necklace in wow. diamond so that's part of the extravaganza you know of bespoke perfume another story that i always love to say it's a wedding because that's one of the projects that i worked on in the past 15 years it was a wedding at the plaza hotel and we created the bride and the groom scent and they offered for each guest the bottle of perfume that we created for them. So each guest was receiving, you know, wow. like the scent. And that project was about like a quarter of a million dollar. Wow. Oh my, I'll bet. Yeah. Jeez, but just for a party. Guest. That's like such, that's such a lovely like wedding swag bag. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? It was, no. I mean, but that's the thing in my, in my field, you know, I, I always love to say, you know, that in the, it's true, it's in the top luxury market. You can have your dream come true. And that's what is beautiful about it is that there is no limit. The sky is the limit, maybe. But beside that, you know, people can come and do whatever they want. I mean, recently, you know, a few years ago, I had a family who came to see us here in the U.S. And they said, you know, we would like to create a fragrance for the woman in the family. And I said, okay, the cost starts sometimes at $50,000. So it's not cheap, I would say, but it's a commitment. They wanted to create a fragrance for seven generations of women. Wow. We started with the great-grandmother until the latest one who was only two months old. <laughs> so we did a fragrance, a multi-generational fragrance. But it was fascinating because I went inside their family's history, the family archives. I've learned from their great-grandmother who came from Ireland to the mother, to the, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody was fascinating. And we ended up creating a fragrance that now it's a tradition in their family. They give they give away to each woman who comes in the family. Oh, awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yes. So that's the kind of project that we work with. And it's a pleasure. You know, it's not work, but it's a pleasure to work on this kind of project because the creativity and the imagination has no limit with that. Yeah. God, I need to marry into that family so I can smell that. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. how, how is it creating a uh, personalized fragrance for just one person? I mean, that seems like a pretty wide net. Like, how do you hone in on what they think that they enjoy and versus what they actually possibly respond to? So we have different offering, I would say. We have the personalization at Krigler is different than the bespoke perfume. Because we have over 600 fragrances in the archives, one possibility with us is that a person can come and lease a perfume from the archive and be the only one to wear it for a period of six months up to one mm. year. Wow. So that's one thing that we do. With that project, some people like to make it more what they want. So they use it as a base. And then they say, could we add a little bit more of rose? Could we add a little bit more of this? So that's the kind of thing that we can do. This can be done in a quicker manner, I would say. We can do it quickly. The bespoke perfume per se takes about nine months minimum up to two years sometimes. Wow. And that's a very, very long project. So for example, the past summer, I delivered some fragrances that we started 
maybe a year ago or sometimes even 14 months ago, uh, 15 months ago. So it's always a recommendation that we have for our clientele, for our VIPs who want to create a bespoke perfume, is that, you know, take your time. When someone wants to create a bespoke perfume with Krigler, they are very passionate about it and they're very proud of it because one thing is that after 25 years or sometimes 50 years, we have the possibility to incorporate the perfume that we created for you into our collection which means that it's a bit like a big public library. You wrote a book, we wrote a book together, <laughs> and that book was yours to use all the time. And after a certain time, you know, you say, you know what, Krigler is like the public library where I want my book to be placed. And then we keep that book and we keep that perfume. And that perfume remains the same, still has the same name. And that happens with a lot of fragrances we today have in mm. our collection. Blue Escapade 24 was a fragrance created in 1924. It was a fragrance created for a British lord who had a house in Biarritz in the Basque country in France. Mm -hmm. It was named after his property in Biarritz, Blue Escapade. And mm. that fragrance was incorporated into our, into our collection. That's a flex. I know. You know. It's, it's very interesting to see yeah. you know, the relationship they have with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is that is absolutely a flex. I mean, I would show that off too. Oh, yeah, of course. Not. Of course. Yeah. Um, other than well, other than the bespoke fragrances, because so many of Krigler's scents embody a time and a place, how exceptional does an experience have to be to inspire a Krigler fragrance? I would say sometimes you don't even see it, you don't even realize it, you know. I mean I had some ideas sometimes personally, you know, to create fragrances. Sometimes my ideas come when I'm asleep <laughs> or when I'm, when I'm in my bed in the morning. Or, but, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's sometimes it's the subconscious, you know, that brings you the inspiration or gathers the information that you had from the past. So I would say it depends, you know, of the journey. Sometimes, you know, whenever you're looking for something or you have a project and you focus on that, it's never a success. Personally, I always have to, it's in my dreams that I sit, that I have those visions, you know, of what I would like to do or what I think we should do. It's when I'm asleep. And then when I wake up, I take notes or I remember, and then I have that in my mind all day, all day long. And usually, you know, when I create a fragrance, um, Sometimes it's sometimes it's visually the inspiration is visual. Sometimes mm. the inspiration is about a book or a sentence. So it depends. Totally, it's like the shower thought. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah exactly. it is. It's, like it's, it's not going to come to you if you're thinking too hard about it. Yeah, exactly. That's why that's why I walk all the time. One thing that I do all the time mm. is I work on a daily basis. I'm doing like almost like seventeen thousand steps every a day. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and that because I I, I need that for my uh, inspiration. You know, I need to go and breathe some fresh air and let my brain go anywhere it wants to go. So I, yeah, I think we all need to do that, especially, yes. especially these days. <laughs> yeah. So one of the ways I became acquainted with Krigler is because it has such a history as mm -hmm. the scent of Hollywood starlets. I think Grace Kelly wears Chateau Krigler 12, mm -hmm. is that correct? Mm -hmm. And Audrey Hepburn, as you told me earlier, wears English Promenade 19. Correct. And... Mm -hmm. You you definitely know more celebrities than I know that that have named Krigler as their lucky fragrance. Yes. And I just wanted to ask, like, why do you think that is? We were always at the right place at the right moment. You know, when you are in hotels like we are, because our stores, I mean, Krigler is exclusively sold in, in our stores and our stores are exclusively located in hotels. 
So when you're in hotels, you have more chance to actually have people coming from anywhere in the world. Right. And what happened is that many of the celebrities were staying in those most beautiful hotels in the world. And Krigler happens to be in the most beautiful hotel in the world. <laughs> ah, I so see that's, the plan. <laughs> that's basically the plan we had. But I see that also in Beverly Hills in the past years, you know, in Beverly Hills at the Four Seasons where we are. So many celebrities came, like, like last, I think it was January, Cynthia Erivo, who was nominated for the Oscar for Ariette, was staying at the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills. And she used to pass by our store every day and came one time, smelled the perfume, she purchased the fragrance, and she fell in love with it. And, and that's the thing, we don't have, you know, the kind of things where we have contracts with celebrities, where we pay them or whatever. They really come to us because they love it. Daniel Brühl, who is a very famous German actor that we all know, you know, from Employers Bastard or, or all those movies, he's doing his directorial debut as we speak, you know, he just filmed his first movie, and he has been wearing our perfumes for years now. Mm. And he his team came to us and said, you know, we would like to feature your fragrances in, in his yeah. movie. Wow. Would you be okay with that? And I said, of course. Of course love that. Yeah. <laughs> but just because it's a collaboration, you know, because it's artistic and, and he was very gentle because he sent us a picture with the perfume to us because, you know, he knew that many celebrities wore that fragrance. It's Blue Escapade. Mm. And he sent us a picture of it saying, you know, I just want to say that I love your fragrances and, you know, here you go. And that's the kind of relationship we have with a lot of celebrities. They're just normal people, but when they love a perfume, and that's what happened with Grace Kelly back in the 50s, mm-hmm. she was living in New York. She just came to the store in the plaza. She bought that fragrance, and that's it. You know, we never had uh, to do a, a contract with somebody. It's just because people were buying something, you know. Jackie Kenny was living in New York. She uh, came to the plaza and she fell in love with that perfume. She liked it. She said, let me buy it. And that's it, you know. I wish there was like stories where we would say, oh, you know, we created that fragrance for her or for him or for that. But it's really and honestly, beside the bespoke perfume, we were very fortunate to welcome a lot of people who are very famous and wear the perfume and were actually kind of proud you know it's it's kind of a fraternity in somewhere sorosity you know to be at Krigler. With such a long-standing legacy of celebrity and royals within your brand and that are such fans of your brand what what has it been like in like the late 80s and 90s to present day seeing so many celebrities enter the fragrance industry both with celebrity fragrances and as brand ambassadors and faces of campaigns where you know Kriegler seemed to sort of always have these relationships a lot of them were developed later on in present day what has that been like and how has Kriegler still sort of played a part in that or not well i would say you know in terms of celebrities and perfume this has basically been always the case since the 1950s in some ways and it came from Hollywood you know because actors became icons and it was uh, at the beginning I would say the concept of celebrity fragrance has has changed a little bit more now now it's more about you know creating a brand creating something but there are lesser and lesser people who are going to wear fragrance because of someone than because they like it on themselves or it talks to them personally and that's basically, you know, what has been happening in this industry of perfumes and beauty industry in the past 20 years is that with the internet, on the opposite of what people would have thought, people could talk to an artisan from, for example, Australia. They could talk to somebody in, the, in France and say, I would like to 
get some more information about your perfume that you're only selling in France. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And with the internet, people are, have discovered actually the craft. They have discovered something else. So whatever was in terms of marketing, you know, working with only celebrities has been changing a bit and moving to something a bit more about the behind the curtain. You know, it's the same in fashion. If you take fashion, now people want to know where is it made? What was the inspiration? It's the same with perfume. Everything now is about some kind of transparency, but also some kind of knowledge because the mass consumerism, I think, is behind us. And now people are really much more interested to own something that will talk to them, that they will understand, that they will be able to conceptualize in some ways. You see what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Basically, the house of Kregler has been around now over 115 years now, and I'm sure it will continue now because, you know, there's a next generation. But some celebrity sense sometimes are linked with the celebrity. It's very um, temporary. Absolutely. Oh, God, that's that's so huge. Because like, as you were talking about that, I was just thinking like, you're right, like Kregler is such a jewel and it is such so emblematic of the old world and then yes. you're you're like okay now we're gonna revamp it we're gonna bring it back into the new world like how do you even begin to do that i mean honestly from the beginning you know when i took over i remember that everybody was giving me advices telling me you should do this you should go to department stores you should go to perfumeries you yeah. should do this you should do that and from the beginning i said you know what i don't want to do that i i want to be an artisan i want to continue that because this is where I'm feeling more comfortable. You know, what I did was that I basically went my way without thinking, okay, this is what we must do. So back in 2005, it was really like the beginning of the e-commerce. I said, you know what? Let's have samples available online that anybody can order from wherever they are. And basically, you see, I used the new technology I thought from the beginning, you know what? That's a great way to reach anybody in the world. And, and actually, it was my best idea, I would say, so far. Yeah, I was going to say, that was ahead of the time. <laughs> yes, because today, you know, with the pandemic, the website has actually yeah. evolved incredibly. And now whereas it's even like three stores or four stores at the same time in terms of sales. But the website today is an incredible source of revenue. And that's the best way to reach out to people. So... Whatever, what was the department stores maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, now it's online, you know, and it's happening online. And right. I'm part of this generation who actually, you know, starting growing up with the internet. And I think that it was part of me and I needed to just add it to what I was doing for Krigler. I remember when I did that back in 2005, many of my competitors were telling me, how can you sell luxury perfumes online? This is incredible. <laughs> and Today, those who actually did not do it and did not join the step forward are gone because obviously the internet now is a major element yeah. in terms of sales or communication. Who do you think, if you're not a celebrity, who do you think the Kriegler customer is in 2020, maybe 2021? Well, it's actually very vast. There is not actually a particular person or particular profile. Sure. Any, it's anybody and it's everybody because I always say to people, never judge the book by the cover. I remember in the first years when I, when I developed Krigler, I was actually um, in the store myself. I remember you know, that there was a truck driver who came one day and he came, look at the perfumes, look at everything. 
And, and it was very funny because if you look at that person, you would think like he's not a perfume type of person aware of perfumes and he bought like a fragrance with roses in it mm. and and that was also a thing that was very important for me is that since the beginning our fragrance have always been unisex and that's mm. one thing that is a key to know about Krigler and about the perfume industry and that's what i've been working on for the past uh, 15 years now to sell people it's not a question of who you of what gender you are but it's all about uh what works with your chemistry because you know, sometimes I remember I have, I had like some uh, women's clients who came and say, you, you know, they, they talked to me and they were not, they were whispering. They were saying, you know, I feel ashamed to tell you that, but I usually wear my husband's fragrance or I usually wear <laughs> a men's fragrance. And I say, well, guess what? There are no men's or masculine fragrances. <laughs> it's just a fragrance that works with your chemistry because your chemistry actually reacts better with something spicy or yeah. deeper. Sure, sure. I remember the first day we reopened the first store when I took over at the plaza in New York in 2008. The first day I remember that somebody heard that we were reopening at the plaza. She came with her granddaughter and she asked for Chateau Krigler and she said that her grandmother was wearing this perfume and she wanted to show the perfume to her granddaughter. Wow. That day, that was my first day in store. I never sold anything. I never did anything. That first day, I was like, okay, I'm doing something very special here. Yeah. Because people are coming to us because it means something to them. And that's the best gift ever. I do not envy anybody who has tooketh it upon themselves to revive a century-year-old brand no. in this economy. Nope. Mm. You know what I like, though? I like a brand that is just not afraid to say, you know, we're for everyone. When, yeah. when asks who the consumer is, you know? And like, you should be for everybody, yeah. I think. Oh, totally. Why in this day and age would you limit yourself? Yeah. God. And I don't even mean for the sake of marketing or for the sake of profits, yeah. just creatively as a brand, like why would you limit yourself? Right. Don't. I agree. I think it's fascinating that the brand is so old and has, you know, been dormant at times. I know but has been brought back so successfully. I know. I mean, to me, it's like, obviously there's the exclusivity of, you know, price point, mm -hmm. but the scents are all so exquisite. Yeah. We've obviously smelled a shit ton of fragrances, like mm -hmm. so many fragrances. And there is kind of like a fairy tale, like a magical element to their sense. I don't know. No, I agree. I think you're totally right about yeah. that. And also there, uh, there's just a, how can I say this? Not like an idiot. Like <laughs> th they just smell unique in a way yes. that some don't like the one I'm wearing today. It's fine. It's solid, but I've smelled it before. I've yeah. smelled it a hundred times. Like those, the Krigler scents, while, you know, they might not be completely groundbreaking. It's like, oh, this is, this is different. And this yes. is really good. Mm -hmm. They're, they're so multi-layered and have so much depth. Yeah. And now I get it. I get why people are like, this is it for me for life. For life. Yeah. I one day aspire to make a Krigler bespoke fragrance that Hell yeah. that later gets released to the public or, and I can be like, that's mine. I made that. Or like for all your wedding guests. Oh my God. What you say? Like a quarter mil? Yeah. For, and that's just like Just one, for the fragrance. For a gift bag? For a gift bag. I mean, and for th their marriage. Well, yeah. Well, sure. But I'm just yeah. saying like, imagine how much the rest of it costs. You know, we forget that there are ridiculously wealthy people in this world. True. That to them, a quarter of a mil for a party favor is nothing. And to me, I cannot even imagine. Yeah. But if you, dear listener, 
are going to propose to me at any <laughs> if anyone is going to propose to me they better do it with a bespoke fragrance like keep your ring spend it on a bespoke fragrance please also because that means you would have to have thought about it and created it and made it and formulated it for like at least a year so you really have to think about if you want to marry me oh i don't know <laughs> i don't know about that i don't think i want a fragrance made for me by really? man yeah because what if you hate it do well, do you think i'd like it you know i think I mean? if they knew you well that you would isn't that the point i don't know about all that i just know that i have like i like so much shit but i also dislike so much stuff when it mm. comes to fragrance that i'm like what are you really gonna do here i feel that way about rings though too it's like mm. we're God, i mean like as if anyone would ever buy me a ring lol but <laughs> if they did i would just like see the ring box and well, be like, that's why Fuck. that's why couples go ring shopping together Ugh. now I'm which to me that. yeah I, I get why it makes perfect sense. I totally understand it, but I also... Totally. I'm like, doesn't that kind of ruin the, the magic of la proposa? <laughs> I don't know why it's French all of a sudden. No, I agree. Yeah. Even though I, uh, I'm i like 99% sure if like <laughs> any man randomly popped the question to me with a ring he chose out, I'd be like, let's get a different one. <laughs> be like, so that was a nice try. Yeah. I think um, that's great. Can you return it? Loving the concept here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, unless it's like an heirloom ring and then kind of rude to say that's ugly, I guess. I don't know. It's your know. wedding ring. It's That's true. I don't know. I mean, anyone can buy me jewelry for any reason. You don't have to marry me. <laughs> you can just buy me jewelry. That's great, too. I think this outro is solidifying our status <laughs> as unwifeable. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. If you want to be with somebody together forever, you know, well, if that's the intent... Do a domestic partnership because if they die, you don't absorb their debt. Do you get the tax breaks though? Yes. Because that's really all I'm interested yes. in. You get the tax breaks. You get the health insurance. Well, I guess technically not citizenship because it's a domestic partnership. Yeah. But you will not absorb their debt. I'm with that. So honestly, that's the way to go. I'm not trying to get married. No. Not right now. At least. I like, I like my last name. So I'm probably not going to change that. I'm not changing anything about myself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I like living alone, so I'm probably not going to change that. I love living alone. I just want, you know what? I want to like Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter it where they had two houses next to each other. That's what I want to do. Yeah. So I need to marry someone extremely wealthy. <laughs> God damn it. Be nice. They just don't go for me. And I get it, but like rats <laughs> would make my mother so happy. <laughs> anyway, that's our episode. You're welcome for all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's uh, our episode and some advice on how to propose to us or not or not how to not propose to us anyway whether or not you want to marry us you should <laughs> leave us a five-star review follow us on instagram at smellulator.mp3 i am at tiny book and i'm at sable tooth tigra and we will see you very soon smell, smell you later, later.